Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day first. But as I sit here, stand here right now, I have three mothers here with me. That doesn't make sense, but bear with me. I have my real mother sitting right there. I have my grandmother sitting right there. But y'all don't know who the real mother was. That's Jessica sitting right there. (laughs) Jessica was the most protective of anyone. If the girl was not who I needed to be with, Jess was the first to tell me. If somebody did something that maybe didn't sit well, Jess was the first to know. And if mom or dad, our mom or dad, raised their voice the slightest to me, Jess was madder than anybody. (laughs) Jess is my twin sister, but it was almost like having another mother growing up right there. And I love my sister because I still think she whip somebody if need be right right about now. So she's got all the Hopkins in her. But anyway <laughs> this morning we're gonna talk about eight Bible mothers. But I actually want to start with something that's in the bulletin. And if you have it you can look. But I found this online. I thought it was really nice. I thought it said a lot of nice things. And this was an article and it was like Christian Woman Magazine or something. I don't even know what it was. But it was really good. And I, I, I thought I would put that in the bulletin, even though it doesn't necessarily affect, every one of these don't affect all members of our congregation. They probably do affect people that you know or come in contact with, either through work or through family or through some other <clears throat> method of knowledge. But on the inside... You can bear with you can read with me. It says, To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. <clears throat> to those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experienced loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, Fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who live through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you longed for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envision lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. 
And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. And we remember you. Amen. That may have hit you harder or softer. That may have clicked a certain spot for you. And it may not. But there's a good chance that you know somebody who falls into one or more of those categories. I would hesitate to even act like I knew what mothering was like. I'm a father, but I feel like that's completely different. But the Bible, as it so often does, has a story that works for this. This morning we're going to look at eight Bible mothers. And I think our thought would be that I want these eight Bible mothers to all be perfect. But it won't be the case. Because no mother is perfect. Except in the eyes, maybe, of the child who views them that way. But each of these Bible mothers play a significant role. And it would be hard to argue that we would be where we are today without these eight and about eight trillion more besides that along the way. We're going to talk about eight of these. There's not going to be a whole lot of scripture with it. I can tell you where it comes from. But I want us to just think about what each of these did. Eight Bible mothers, all of them, in a sense, play a role in the coming of Jesus. As we said, none of them were perfect, but none of them, none of them were perfect, but they showed a strong faith in God. And they were rewarded, each one of these, in some way. And God appreciated them then just as much as I would believe God appreciates those, these mothers that we come in contact with every day. Got a picture with each one. They're not meant to be anything important, but they are usually some kind of painting. Most of these paintings come from like the 15 and 1600s. But let's start with Eve, because she has to be considered the first one, right there from the get-go. First woman, first mother. And think about that for just a second. There is no role model or mentor for the first person to do anything. The first person who was president of the United States kind of had to wait. The first person who was king of a country kind of had to wait. The first mother kind of had to wait. Now, anybody here who is a mother or a father, or even in your workplace, if you're not that, you had somebody that you maybe modeled yourself after. You looked at somebody and said, I like the way they did that, or I did not like the way that they did. And when I get this time, when this comes to me, I'm going to try and do it this way or that way. But imagine being the first. Imagine being the one who has no one to model yourself after. This is by definition trial and error, if we could say that. Now, Eve experienced fellowship with God before the sin, before the fall. She probably knew more God more intimately than anybody she and Adam would have. But she lived, they lived in paradise, but they spoiled it, of course, by listening to Satan instead of God. And because of that, one of the things that happened, one of the negative things that happened when sin sort of came into the world was there was going to be bad things happen going forward. One of those bad things is something she experienced. Her son, Cain, murdered her son, Abel. We always talk about Cain murdering Nathan's brothers. If it's 
They both had the same mother, right? She had experienced that. She had to deal with that. I don't know how that she dealt with it. I have no idea. But we have people today that still have to experience those kinds of tragedies. Second, Sarah. Sarah, this is the book of Genesis. Eve's in the book of Genesis, of course, as well. Sarah, the wife of Abraham. You may remember the story of Abraham. He was from Ur, and God called him to go into uh, what would be the holy land, the promised land, Israel, whatever word we want to use to describe this. And Sarah goes with him. She was with him. She was there with him. But as the story goes, she didn't have any kids, and they're starting to get a little old, maybe a little too old, uh, starting to say, right? In fact, they kind of put things, they sort of had things going. Her handmaid, Hagar, uh, is with Abraham, and they have a child uh, named um, Ishmael. But Sarah, at 90, has a child. I just waited a long time. And I don't get wrapped up in the numbers, but I get focused on what it matters. Is the fact that it was a long wait. Sometimes we have to wait for things. Sometimes things, nothing ever happens as fast as we think it should happen. Because we think everything should have already happened. But I'm sure Sarah at this point was waiting, was worrying. She conceives through this miracle. She was a loyal helper, loyal builder to Abraham. And her faith, her faith serves as an example for everybody who had to wait on God to act. How long have you had to wait for God to act? Well, it depends on what it is. But he may already be acting and we just aren't seeing it the way we think it should be. But Abraham's wife, or Sarah, wife of Abraham, had to wait. How about Rebecca? Go down the line just a little bit further. Rebecca, the wife of Isaac, we can see this in Genesis as well. We always talk about patriarchs, but she was a matriarch, kind of a mother that came down through right there. Her mother-in-law was Sarah, and she too was barren. And when her husband Isaac had prayed for her, God opened up Rebecca's womb, and she conceived and gave birth to twin sons. We usually refer to them as Jacob and Esau, right? We refer to them by their order of birth, perhaps we would say Esau and Jacob. It always bothered me when I was in school. I was four minutes older than Jess, but my name is Jonathan and her name is Jessica, and she was always listed first. That didn't seem right. It just did not seem right at all. It should have been me, Daniel, the middle name. That's what I went by. There's Jonathan, so I had to go wrong. I don't know if that matters to anybody else, but it kind of mattered to me. I got over it. But Jacob and Esau were the sons of Isaac. You know how, Rebecca, you know how this story goes, right? You know how this story goes. She kind of takes method matters into her own hands just a little bit. You might say that at a time when women maybe were viewed as timid or as submissive. She was the flip side. She was pretty assertive. And at times she takes matters into her own hand when she used Jacob to trick his father into giving him the blessing. I don't know that that would be a compliment. She probably shouldn't have done that. I don't know, but we see somebody trying to do what they thought was right. How about this name? You may not know this name. This is a name, Jochebed, who is the mother of Moses. Moses' birth is mentioned in Exodus, but her name is not mentioned at the beginning of Exodus chapter 2. She doesn't get mentioned until Exodus chapter 6 a little bit later. She was the mother of Moses. We remember the story of Moses, right? We remember how when Moses was born, she's also the mother of Aaron and Miriam as well, but she showed a whole lot of faith 
in God. Because at this time, there was a mass slaughter expected of Hebrew boys. And so to keep this from happening, she puts her child into a basket and sets it adrift down the river, right? It takes a lot of faith. I don't believe anybody in here would want to do that with their child, put them in a basket, send it down the line. Remember how the story goes then? kind of winds its way down through there and somebody finds the basket and the baby. And it just so happens that there happens to be Pharaoh's daughter who finds the child. Well, it couldn't have been in a better situation. And then we go a little bit further and we see that she then was allowed to be sort of the nurse. She was allowed to, to, to be brought in to work with the daughter of Pharaoh, helping to Moses to grow to the great leader that he would come up uh, to eventually be. God would use Moses, Jochebed's son, to lead the Hebrew children out of Israel, out, or excuse me, out of Egypt, out of slavery, and into the promised land. We see her name, her reference again in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23. That faith that she showed, that allowed her to see the importance of saving her child's life so that he in turn might save other people. Think about that sacrifice, right? Some faith that this will work out well. And this sacrifice that I'm going to give something up so that somebody else can benefit from it. That's what we read about there just a moment ago in 1 Samuel. This is the story of Hannah. Hannah, the mother of Samuel. And you may remember this story as well. But it's about as touching as there are in the Bible. And like several other mothers, she knew what it meant to go a long time without having a child suffering from barrenness, not having a child in some way. In fact, she was taunted. She was treated poorly by her husband's other wife. But Hannah never gives up on God. In fact, she starts, she goes all the time to pray. In fact, if you read in the story in 1 Samuel, the priest thought that she was drunk because she was just overwhelmed. But like, why is this woman always here? But she never gave up. She prayed and she prayed and she prayed. And finally, she gives birth to a son, Samuel. We just read there in the story when she did. How did she reward in the, in the reading there that we did beforehand? She said she's given birth to this child, but she's going to give him to God so that he would eternally, as often as he could, serve God. God favored Hannah later with five more children along the way. What about Bathsheba? Mother of Solomon. You never think of it this way. I guarantee you if I were to do a little word association with Bathsheba, you'd have told me two or maybe three other stories first before you mentioned that she was the mother of Solomon. You'd have told a lot of other things. But this is important. What do you think about Bathsheba? First, yeah, she was the object of David's lust. That's a story you probably would have told right from the get-go. And unfortunately, David arranges for her husband Uriah to be killed. Get him out of the way. And they had had a child, right? But that child dies. And that was the work of God. Not so much with her, but displeasure with David, the way the Bible describes it. But I'm sure there was some displeasure with her as well. But that child died. That's something that's hard to understand, hard to explain. I can't relate. But there's people in here that can relate. And there's people in here that know what that experience is like, for whatever reason. David experiences, we read of how David experiences this when he says, I can't go to him, or I, he can't come to me, but I can go to him. We don't really get a full understanding of how that's Sheba 
would have related to this. We always tell this story from the side of David, but there's a whole other side that we don't usually talk about. You can imagine the sadness that she experienced. But despite these heartbreaking circumstances, she remained loyal to David. And their next son was Solomon, who was loved by God and grew up to be Israel's greatest king. From that same line, from David's line, would come Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. But how important was Bathsheba? If you go into the book of Matthew, first chapter, and you read a bunch of names there in those first 20-some-odd verses, 15-odd verses that you can't pronounce half of them, but there's one name in there that you can't. Her name's there. She's one of just a handful. There are five women that are mentioned. I doubt you'd have expected that when you was reading that story about Uriah being sent off to war. And I can almost guarantee you that she would not have expected that. What about Elizabeth? Mother of John the Baptist. We know this story, right? Comes just a little bit before Jesus. She conceived and she gives birth to a son. She and her husband named him John as the angel had instructed them to do. She's related to Mary. But like Hannah's son, Elizabeth's son, John, would go on to become this great prophet. He was dedicated to serving. And we read in the Bible about how John sort of paves the way, as it were, and Jesus comes in right behind him. But the importance here of Elizabeth. About the last one. This is Mary, probably the most famous mother that we would ever talk about, right? The one that we would know. I think you could walk down the street. Kevin was talking about going out and asking people things. I think you could go out the street and ask, who is Jesus' mother? And you'd get a really strong return on your answers. I feel like you'd get a lot of people that would answer that. This may be the Bible question that you'd get the most right answers from. I feel like if you ask who Moses' mom was, we might struggle a bit. But this one is one that we might get a lot of answers from. What about Mary? Let's think about Mary here for just a second as we kind of wrap up our eight mothers. Mary was perhaps the most honored mother in the Bible. I think you'd have to say that because she's the mother of Jesus. He would save the world from its sins. And although she was only young, humble, she doesn't appear to come from any kind of wealth or any kind of fame or any kind of greatness, but she accepts the will God had for her life. And she stood as highly favored by God, a shining example of obedience and submission to the Father's will. You ever thought about what Mary might have thought when they first found, when she first found this out? You know, again, we tell this story a lot of times from the father's side. The angel appears to Joseph, kind of explains it to him, because Joseph had been thought to put her aside, put her away. Maybe don't create a stink, but we're not going to sort of deal with this. Well, what do you think Mary was thinking about? Unexpected. Not prepared. Sort of an unbelievable type thing that she would have to go through. And that would just be expecting a child, much less the situation that she was, she was in. Mary showed obedience and submission. So let's finish it up for just a second. If we think about all of these women, if we think about the role that they play, well, Sarah waited. And Rebecca did what she thought was right. 
Moses' mother gave up her child, and the Pharaoh's daughter took him in. Hannah endured. And Mary embraced the idea of motherhood, even though it did not seem like that's what she should have been experiencing. A lot of those stories seem to relate to what we read in the bulletin there from the get-go. You see, the women that are in the Bible, the mothers that are in the Bible, lived in a time far, far beyond the back from where we live. But as we kind of talked about this morning in our Bible class, a lot of those things still sort of are the same, right? Those same kind of issues. These characteristics existed in mothers then and they existed, they exist in mothers today. What about mentoring? Faith. Assertiveness. <coughs> trust. What about prayer? Loyalty. Dedication. Humility. I hope that those are words that you can describe your mother with. And if your mother is no longer with us, I hope you can look back and say those are descriptions of my mother, of my great-grandmother or grandmother, whomever it may be. We hit on things right there that I know you all can relate to. Mother's Day is certainly a special day. And I'm thankful that I have the best. Bear with me for a second. But there are things that you go to mom for that dad can't fix. You won't believe this because I teach school, but in eighth grade, I was sitting in the floor of my bedroom and I was in almost tears because I had done poorly on an English paper. And I told mom, that I wanted to quit school. She probably should have fussed at me. Probably would have, should have whipped me. She just owed me. You know, when I was in eighth grade, eighth grade must have been tough. I got in trouble for gambling at school. And I knew that I was going to get called into the office. And I also knew that mom was going to know because she worked at the school as well. So one night we sat down at the kitchen table. And I told her. And I was a nervous wreck. I told her about that because I didn't know. I didn't want to know what that was going to say. But I told her at the kitchen table the whole story. She didn't fuss at me. There was a look on her face, though, that did all the fussing that needed to be. You can still see it, right? You can see that look on your mom's face right now. Even if she's long gone, you can still see that face. But mom sort of looked at me. And that hurt worse than a hundred licks from a hundred different belts all at the same time. Sometimes you just need to cry. Sometimes, nah, not sometimes, all the time, mom's there for it. I 
Turn to Luke chapter 1. Verse 46. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich has been sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Mary's saying something right here that can't be said without any of the previous mothers that we had listed on the board today. It came through every single one of them. And every single one of them play a vital role in the coming of Jesus. Every single one of you play a vital role in whatever is going to come next. We'd invite you, if there's any way we can do, anything we can do to help you, we'd invite you to come while we stand and sing. As I travel through this